I love our church. I love our church. Hey, right now we're going to have another family moment. I'm going to ask uh, Kevin Rutherford to come on up. Kevin is 18 years old. Uh, he's entering the Army tomorrow and going to Fort Steele, Oklahoma. And uh, so we want to pray for him. Well, we want to ask God's hand of protection and blessing on Kevin and his family who uh, are proud of him, but they're also more than ever wanting God to watch over him. And so we just want to ask God to touch and bless him as he heads into this new adventure into his life. Father, I thank you for Kevin and his willingness, Lord, to uh, serve our country, to serve freedom, to be used by you, Lord, to, uh, to help others find lives that actually can be free and just. We pray you would watch over him. I pray his time of training would be one in which he would sense your presence, but God, that he would grow and grow in expertise. God, we pray you'd surround him with amazing friends. I pray that he would just find himself literally finding a fellowship that's deep and rich that would be lifelong. And God, we pray for, again, your protection on him as he goes from training to wherever you send him in the world. And Lord, may he always know you. And I pray you'd use him, Lord, to touch other lives in, in lots of ways. But I pray as he comes back, uh, he would know we love and care for him. And Lord, we're proud of, of men and women who are willing to do this for the cause, for freedom, for our country, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Congratulations, man.
All right. Wow, Kevin's a good guy and going to be a, an amazing time in his life. If you have your Bibles, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6. Uh, what we're about to look at, I want to tell you, is very personal for me. Uh, I, uh, I, I literally could come out here not mocking. I can say this with all honesty. Hi, I'm Chuck, and I'm a worrier. I'm filled with pessimism, filled with worry. I'm really good at it. Uh, and, and, and you're going to see in a minute that Jesus doesn't want us to be. But not only that, he doesn't have a lot of give when it comes to this. Uh, this is one of the few reasons he rebuked anybody, that we would worry. Uh, uh, it has been said, and I think it's true, that the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is pessimism and worry. And uh, the Lord doesn't want to do this, so I, I struggle with it. Uh, I worry about my blood pressure, which, by the way, that doesn't help. Uh, when Pam and I were getting married, I worried about our wedding, whether things would go okay. Uh, when we had children, I worry about our children. And, and then, you know what, sometimes, I don't know if you're this way, but it really is true, I worry when I'm not worried. And uh, you know what is, Jesus' desire for us is that we would be anything but that. He wants us to live a life that's incredible and amazing. And, and he wants us to be people of courage and never have fear, never have fear. And there's nothing in your life that Jesus ever says is okay to worry about. By the way, he's saying that to me and he's saying it to you. Now let me say that again. There's nothing in life that he thinks is okay for you to worry about. He wants you to know him in a very incredible way. He wants you to know that if you trust yourself in the hands of a living God, he's got you. That's why uh, we're going to get to a little bit later, but Casey did a great job in sharing with us that Psalm uh, uh, 27, uh, David said, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom shall I worry and who should I be afraid? In other words, it's nobody. And never ever should we do that. That's God's great desire that you and I would understand it. And by the way, not only does God want you never to worry, even more so, get this, in the supernatural realm, when you become a born-again Christian, when the Holy Spirit enters you, worries to be driven away, fears to be done away with, and God's great desires that you would never hold on to it. Because we have God. And when God has us and we have Him, then we don't have anything to worry about. Now, probably, there's some of you right now sitting there going, but wait a minute. You don't know how bad my life is. You don't know how hard my life is. That might be easy for you to say. But I want to tell you, it doesn't matter how bad your life is. What matters is how big is our God. That's what we keep our eye on. It doesn't matter how big the problem, God can overcome it. I want to promise you, you're never going to have the Lord look and say, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. You know, he's never going to do that. He's never going to say, well, that's too big for me. Here, let me give you the good news. You ready? For you as a believer in God, as a child of God, every problem you have isn't a problem. It's a potential for a miracle to occur. And the bigger the problem, the more high and big and huge and amazing the miracle's going to be. But what you have to do is have yourselves in the hands of the living God. Uh, we saw last week that in Psalm 48, it says, For such is our God, our God forever and ever, who will guide us till we die for the Son. Now what that means is we've got to be totally committed to the Lord. And when we do that, then God takes us and causes us to live an incredible life. And again, every problem is a potential for something great. Why? Because Romans 8.28 says that our God is the God who causes all things to work together for good 
Now listen to this. To those who love him and to those who live their lives according to his purpose. If you love the Lord and you live your life according to his purpose, he takes everything you're facing and turns it into something amazing. Now, a study was done a few years ago, and they found, actually a couple years ago, and they found out amongst people who attend church regularly that there are four levels that we function at. And by the way, this study was an incredible study, and we talk a lot about it. They found out, if you haven't heard it, that level one are people who attend church, but they wonder, they question, is it true? They question, is can I trust God with my life? They question, is it really true that God can do miracles? And can he answer my prayers? Can he take care of me? Can he provide for me? Can he protect me? They wonder those things and they're attending church. Now, now, then we can move to level two. Level two is where we actually say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put my faith in him. I'm going to love him with all my heart, mind, and soul. I'm going to open up to him and say, I want to give my life to you. And we call that conversion. And that's when you become born again. Level three. It's where you connect to God in very, very deep ways. And you connect to him in a way that's very real and very intimate. And it's incredibly amazing how God works. You not only have him, when you pray to him, you sense his presence and his leading. He answers you. He guides you. He leads you on an amazing path. And you find yourself growing closer and closer to him. And then level four is where we want everybody to be. That's where you're at a place where you say to God, no holding back where you say the words of Jesus and mean them. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. It's where you could pray the part of the Lord's prayer that says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, in my life and everything I do, God, what I really want more than anything is your will. And so if you tell me to do something, I'll do it. No holding back, no running from it, no saying, well, I'll, I'll think about it. It's God, I'll do this for you. By the way, here's where we're going. Where we're at in Matthew chapter 6, where Jesus teaches against worry. He ends the section by saying, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In other words, God will take care of everything. You don't have to worry if you, now this is the key, if you seek first the kingdom of God. Is God first in your heart? Is God first in your priorities? Is God first in your life? And if you love him with all your heart, mind, and soul, then he has a plan for you. He has a destiny for you. He has things he wants you to experience. By the way, some of those are trials. And, and, and God wants you and I at times to go through some tough things so it will toughen us up. It will give us character. It'll make us stronger. That's part of his plan up here. And if you go through it with him, we're told in the book of James, we should consider it all joy when we fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of our faith leads to strength and patience and maturity and all these amazing, amazing, wonderful things. And so we can even trust him in the midst of it. Why? Because he causes all things to work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. We need to live that way. And that's where the most incredible life you could ever live is found. Notice how Jesus talks about this whole idea, though, starting in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. And he says this, worry is unreasonable. He's going to tell us that worry is unreasonable. Now catch why. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor your body as to what you will put on, because is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? When we worry, he said, it's unreasonable because it shows that we don't know or understand what really matters in life. 
what's really important. Now he begins the words, for this reason. The line above that says you cannot serve God in wealth or God in money or God in material possessions. If you understand that serving God in him alone is what causes your life to have meaning and, and, and be incredible. Then he says, then there's no need for you to worry because God is going to take care of you. That's his great desire. Now, again, I got to tell you, I'm someone who struggles with this. It's a kind of a Romans 7 thing. I know I shouldn't. And, and I very often have to go before the Lord and say, Lord, why is my faith so weak? And why don't I trust you more? And God cares for us and loves us even in the midst of it. But he, he says, there's no reason for you to do it. Don't do it. And he tells me that, and he tells you that, and we need to understand it. When I was getting ready for this sermon, I read about a, a pastor who said that he had a woman in his church who worried for 40 years that she would die of cancer. And at age 70, she died of pneumonia. <laughs> I think that's funny. I really do. <laughs> yeah, um, but... Now you might say, well, she died. But catch this, if you're a Christian, you don't die. Why would we be afraid of death? Now again, you shouldn't hasten it. You've got to live your life for God. But, but let me say this to you. Do you realize if you're a Christian and you shut your eyes, you're going to open them to heaven? You're going to shut your eyes to a world of pain and sorrow and fear and, and, and all these things that happen and go to a place of joy and care and love? A place where God's going to embrace you like you've never been embraced before? Uh, a place that is so incredible it can't even be described? Why would we ever fear that? And you know what is, is amazing is so many times we get caught up and it's just unreasonable to do. God loves you. God cares about you. And you know what Jesus said? He said, I want you to live your life differently. In Matthew 4, 4, when he was confronted by the devil, Jesus said these words, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, I don't want you living uh, your life based on, on bread alone. I want you to live for something more. And if you have that passion in you, if God's number one in your life, he says, and God's word guides you. And you say, okay, here's what God's word says. I'm not going to worry. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to make him first in my life. If you do that, he says, I want you to know that you're going to experience the kingdom of God and everything that comes with it. Uh, uh, there was a time I was talking with a woman, and, and I said a line I almost never say. But she was sharing about a heartbreak in her life. Uh, and by the way, it was hor horrible what she had gone through and the pain of it. And I looked at her, and I said these words. I said, you know what? I know how you feel. She looked at me, and I am not kidding, her lip was quivering, and her face showed rage, and she vehemently looked at me and just said, don't you dare say you know how I feel. And I looked her in the eye, and I said, I know how you feel. And I began to tell her what I had gone through. And she started crying, and she said, you know what, Chuck, I'm sorry, you do know. You do. Now, I, I cautioned her. I said, look, I, I know what you're going through hurts. But this is what I've been through. And I want to tell you, if you put yourself in the hands of a God who loves you as a father, you're going to make it through. But you got to do it. You can't hang on to the bitterness. You can't hang on to the pain. You can't let it drag you down into the midst of despair. And I'm telling you, there's a way out. There's a way through this. There's a way that you're going to in the end praise God, not only in the midst of it, but on the other side. And, and I wanted her to know that. Now, I want to tell you, I, there's a lot of you going through things I've never been through. A lot of you are feeling things I've never felt. But I can tell you the answer is still the same. God has called for you to cling to him and his love. 
He's called for you to know that he treasures every tear you've ever shed and kept it in a bottle. He's called for you to know that he wants you to be more than a conqueror. In 2 Corinthians 2.14, he says that we need to have that attitude of Paul where we say, thanks be to Christ who always leads us in victory. And I want to tell you, while I may not know how you feel, I want to promise you, you've never gone through anything that somebody else hasn't gone through. And over my years of dealing with people, I found people who in the midst of pain have been literally destroyed and devastated. And I've seen people in the very same situation rise up and conquer and overcome. And the difference is always the same. Who is it that trusts the Lord their God? Who is it that believes in Him? Who is it that throws themselves into His arms and says, Blessed be the Lord my rock who takes me and cares for me and loves me. Who is the one who's going to cling to God? Jesus said, don't you understand? When you cling to God, he does everything for you. He makes life incredible. And you might say, but Chuck, you don't understand my problem. But again, your problem is a potential literally for amazing things to happen. You may say, but I get up in the morning with these problems facing me. And what I'm saying to you is if you love the Lord your God, eat problems for breakfast. Don't let them hold on to you. You know, that's what you need to do. And some of you might say, but Chuck, you don't get it. You don't know. Some of it's my own doing. And I want to tell you, God loves you and can redeem that. Some of you might say, but you don't know the handicaps I have in my life. Let me go back to this. God loves you. And he has a plan for your life. And he shows over and over again. He could take anyone who's dealing with anything and take you and use you and cause you to literally say, what an amazing life I get to live. Think about it. Noah was a drunk. Abraham was too old. Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar. Leah was ugly. Joseph was abused. Moses had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Rahab was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy were told they were just too young. David had an affair. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Uh, Jonah ran from God. Peter uh, denied Christ. Job went bankrupt. Naomi was a widow. The disciples fell asleep by praying. Martha worried about everything. Mary Magdalene was promiscuous. The Samaritan woman was divorced. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Hey, you ready for this? Lazarus was dead, and God used him. <laughs> it's not about me or you. It's about him. And when you're available to him and trust in him, you get ready for an incredible life. And I'm not kidding about it. And again, I'm not someone who hasn't been through pain. I'm not someone whose life was always easy. Hey, we're fellow strugglers in this. I can just tell you it works. It works. God can make it happen. So it's an unreasonable thing for us to worry. It's the reasonable thing to do, to grab hold of him and trust in him. Jesus also tells you, are you ready for this? It's unnatural for you to worry. Do you realize that God did not create you to worry? He didn't create you to, to use your mind and your imagination for worry. He wanted it for creativity. He wanted it for productivity. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? Did you grab that? The Lord cares about birds, but you know what? You're more valuable than a bird. Uh, he cares about you. And, and he says, you know what? I, if I take care of the birds, I'll take care of you. Look at verses 28 and 29. And why are you worried about clothing? 
Observe how the lilies of the field grow, and they do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was clothed like one of these. Now, now here's the point. God loves this creation, and he wants us to love the creation. Are you ready? God says, I love the grass of the field. Now, isn't that an amazing thing that God loves grass? And I want some of you to know it's okay to cut it, all right? I know some of your houses, you don't, well, God loves the grass. I'm not going to mess with it. (laughs) No, you could cut it. You could throw it in the fire. God still loves it. But he says this, it's okay that you do that, but you are more valuable. You're more valuable than birds. You're more valuable than flowers. And, And if you didn't catch this, are you ready? God actually cares about what you wear. Did you catch that? He says, I I clothe flowers and grass, so I'm going to clothe and take care of you. I care about you in that way, and I want you to know that. And God's great desire is that you understand it. And and, and he didn't create you to worry. As a matter of fact, that's something you and I came up with. It's something mankind came up with in a sinful state. God's great desire is for you to have faith, trust, and courage, and he wants you to have it. And notice what else. Worry is also unhelpful. It doesn't help anything to worry. Look at verse 27. It says this. And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? You ready? Jesus said, what good does it do? You and I worry and it doesn't do us any good. Corey Tinboom said this. I love it. She says, worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows. It empties today of strength. Now, I want you to let that resonate in your mind. Think about this. Worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrows. It empties today of strength. Now, now, why, why I think that's so incredible is she could have said it empties today of joy because it does, but there's something even deeper to what she said. When you and I worry, it makes us less able to deal with whatever we're going to deal with. It causes us not to have the power to face what we need to face. And worry uh, causes all sorts of health issues, all sorts of depression issues, all sorts of sleep issues. And the reality is it doesn't help one bit. It takes away our strength to face anything we're involved with. And we need to understand that. Jesus said, it doesn't add an hour to your life. It doesn't help in any way. It doesn't do any good. It's totally unhelpful. Now let's think of some reasons why. The number one reason why is this. Because worry is usually wrong. Most of what we worry about is not going to happen. Now, I want you to think about that. Worry's usually wrong. I don't know if you can think back, but I can promise you I can. I think back on things that I worried about, and they didn't even come close to happening. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times that takes place. Um, one time I was speaking at a convention, and it was back when I wasn't sure if God was going to have me start being more of a national speaker or not. And by the way, I praise God that I'm more not that than I am now that I've saw, seen both sides. But, but here's where I'm going with it. Uh, I was getting all these speaking engagements. The church I was at gave me permission to go, and I would, that meant led to a bigger one and a bigger one. And, and I was enjoying it during the early days. But, but what happens, I was in Colorado, and I spoke at this convention. And man, I got to tell you, I, I know. I know there's some times that I've come in here and preached, and it's horrible. I know that. And I know there's some that have been better. But I got to tell you, that day, I was good. I mean, I, I, I like, a, whoa, I'm good. I wanted to take notes on myself. And, uh, you know, and, and it was really, really good. And I, it was the Lord. I mean, I literally, God was giving me these thoughts in the midst of it. I'm like, oh, it's him. And then when I gave the invitation, people flooded. And I'm like, oh. And I went down afterwards, and people are saying, oh, my gosh. You know, I, I needed this. I needed that. And so I'm praying with people and talking with people and sharing with them. And it was one of those moments where you just sense, oh, wow. And then right in the midst of the crowd, I was literally mobbed. There's this guy standing there, and I looked at his face, and I knew who he was from his picture. Pretty famous Christian comedian. 
So he's kind of waiting to talk to me, and I thought, oh, I get to meet him. I'm excited. And he shakes my hand, and he said, I, he goes, he goes, I want to tell you, that was the worst sermon I've ever heard in my life. And I said, what? He goes, yeah. And then he started to attack it. He said, I don't know why you would share something like that. I don't know what you were thinking. And he went on. And I got to be honest. When people critique me, my normal reaction really is, is to say, okay, are they right? But as he began to speak, he was so off base biblically. And I stood listening to him, and I was like, dude, you're so wrong. And so I said, well, well, get out your Bible. And he said, well, I don't have one. And I said, that's your problem. And uh, so I grabbed my Bible, and I want to be honest, I went to town on him in front of everybody. I mean, I am like letting him know and quoting verses, and I'm turning, and the Bible's right there. And, and not to be mean, I obliterate him, man. I just take him out. And uh, so he walked away mad, and I walked away pretty upset too. Well, then a few weeks later, I'm talking to a friend of mine. He said, I was in a planning meeting, and your name came up to speak at a convention, and he named this guy. He goes, he was there, and he went off about you. And I went, oh, he's attacking me, and he's a bigger name than I am. <laughs> and uh, then I found out later, someone else said, I, they were in a session, and, and he mentioned me. And I thought, great, he's going around the country attacking me. And I'm thinking, Lord, I don't know, are you taking away my ability to go outside? Is this supposed to redirect my path? But God, I don't know. And, and then I heard again, someone wrote me a note. I was with this guy, and he brought you up two or three times. And I thought, man, I've got to get a hold of him and find out what's going on. And so as God would have it, we were about to be at another convention. And, and I thought, okay, and then i got to be honest. I just thought, I don't want to face him the night before. And, and what's everyone going to think of me? And they had booked me before all this happened. And, and so I'm not even sleeping well. And I'm picturing all these things that could occur. And so then I get there in his sessions in the morning. And i got to be honest. I gotta, what would you do? I thought, I'm not going. I'm not going to go hear him. And then I got to promise you this, God spoke to me and told me to go. Now, I know a lot of you go, does God speak to you? I want to promise, I bet God has spoken to every one of you, and most of us just don't like what we're hearing. You know, and I was clear. He was saying, you go, you go. So I go, and I got to be honest, he was so good. And I'm sitting there going, oh, wow, he's good. And then after it was over, I was supposed to go meet somebody, and I'm walking in a hallway, and we, we literally come face to face. And he looked at me, and he goes, Chuck, I was hoping I'd see you here. He goes, Chuck, I want to be honest with you. He said, that night I talked to you in Colorado. He said, I was wrong, and you were right, and it was something I was struggling with. It was my own insecurity. And he said, Chuck, I want to tell you, you don't know this, but that night was life-changing. God used you. He broke me. He redirected me. He goes, you don't know how much I treasure that moment. He goes, I go all over the country telling people how incredible you are. <laughs> I stand there going, What? He, do you understand I was worrying and how much, over what? And he's hugging me and, oh, and crying. Oh. It's like, and the Lord I know is going, see, I told you not to worry. And uh, you guys, worry almost always is wrong. Now, here's the other thing. Uh, you might say, but Chuck, I, I've worried and it's been right. I worry it's been right. Now, I would say two things about that. One, it's probably not as bad as you thought it would be, though. There are some of you here going, well, you know, I, okay, when I got there, it did happen, but it wasn't, I, I had blown it out of proportion, which worry tends to do that. But are you ready for this? Some of you go, no, I was right, and it was worse than I thought. And here's the, you know, as you hear, Jesus said, what did it matter that you worried? Did it help anything? Did it help? I go, no, it was worse, but worrying didn't help. It never helps. 
As a matter of fact, you know, and, and again, you just got to understand, Jesus knows what he's talking about, and he only shares this because he loves us. So worry's unhelpful. How about verses 30 and 31? Look at this. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? Now, now you ready for this? Worry's unnecessary. It's not only unreasonable and unhelpful, it's unnecessary. Why? Because God's got it handled. Now, I know we keep coming back to that, but that's what we keep coming back to. God is God, and, and he's incredible at what he does. Nothing's too big for him. Nothing's too hard for him. Nothing surprises him. And he cares about you so much. He cares about you so much, it's unnecessary for you to worry. Again, I love that, what it says. It says that God actually cares about our clothing. Listen to what it says in Psalm 113, verse 5. It says, Who is like the Lord our God, who is enthroned on high, who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and on earth? God takes the time to get down and look at us and care about us because he cares. You know what? Whenever uh, uh, Liam is over, or, or Noah and Maya, my godchildren, are over, or now Eleni's over, one of my favorite places to be with them is on the floor. I mean, I could sit on the couch or I can stand and look at them, but man, I love it when I get down with them on the floor and are eye to eye with them and we get close. And, and, and I love it. And you know what God loves to do? He loves to get that close to you. He loves to get that close to you. He looks at your outfit and goes, oh, I love that outfit on you. He looks at your outfit and goes, ooh, I've got something better prepared. And, uh, you know, and, and he does it. You know, I, I know I'm the grandparent all the time, but the other day, Tim and Joe walk in with Liam, and he's wearing like a little C28 shirt and shorts, and I'm like, oh, he looks good. You know, and, and I got caught, and I really care about his clothes. I care about everything about him. And you know what? God looks at us and says, don't you understand? I feel that way about you. I know I shared this last week, but I, I really mean it. I, I believe that God sent an earthquake when, I, when my granddaughter was born. I really do. 9.23, the doctor looked at Jill and said, push. 926, a 5.7 earthquake hit Southern California. Pam and I felt it. We were literally felt our couch go up and down for three minutes. And I looked at Pam and I said, do you think Eleni's coming? Because we knew she, Jill was in labor. And we laughed. We said, wouldn't it be something if God's announcing her birth? We found out that at 929 is when she was born, right when the earthquake ended. Now, I know there's some of you going, would God do that just for you? I'll tell you what, yep. You go, well, you think you're pretty important to God. Yep. I really do. You know, and you might think, well, Chuck, you're wrong. When we get to heaven, you're going to be find out you're wrong. <laughs> he did. God cares about you that much. I want you to know that. I, and by the way, I know I'm kind of kidding, but I'm not. God really cares about you that much. He would move heaven and earth for you. He did move heaven and earth when he sent Jesus Christ for you. And if he would do that, do you think there's anything else he wouldn't do for you? He loves you. Oh, how he loves you. And, and God's great desire is that you would understand that. But here's what we need to understand. Worry is most devastating because it's a sign of unbelief. As bad as it is for your health, as bad as it is for your emotional uh, 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 health, it, it's a sign of your faith being weak. It really is the opposite of true faith. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 30. He says, you of little faith, do not worry then. Did you catch that? He says, do not worry. There's no give on this. No problem. No situation. No betrayal. No failure, no sin is too great for God. Don't worry. Don't worry. And, and he, he just doesn't get let us off on this. He says, 
then saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. You know what? He's saying, if you're up here at level four, just hang on to God. And he's got it covered. And by the way, it doesn't matter if the economy turns. Hang on to God. He's got it covered. And, and don't worry about it. Do not worry. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. Jesus never lets up on this. In uh, Mark chapter 4, uh, the disciples are in a boat with Jesus early in their friendship growing, and a huge storm hits. you got to grab hold of four of these men are experienced on the waters. Four of these men are fishermen, and they know everything about fishing and everything about storms. And if they think the boat's going down, the boat's going down. And so they're panicking, and they wake Jesus up. It's so interesting to me that Jesus is so comfortable with God, he can sleep in a storm. And they wake him up, and he stands up, and they go, don't you, don't you care, we're perishing. And he walks out to the storm and goes, stop, and it stops. And he walks back and goes, you of little faith. <gasps> and then he, he rebukes them. Now you got to catch this, these guys are fishermen. They were right, but they weren't right about God. And Jesus said, I'm not putting up with this. Don't you understand? God's got it covered. I don't care who you are or what you know. Now, how about this? In Mark chapter 9, they encounter a demon-possessed child. I mean, a demon. Not, I, I, and, and by the way, I've been around some children I'm pretty sure possessed. And uh, <laughs> So they're in the midst of this demon-possessed child, and they're freaked out by it. Now, I got to say, Think about this. What would happen if you and I encounter a demon? Usually a lot of fear comes. But God says, that's not okay. You're not supposed to do that. And Jesus casts out the demon, turns to the disciples in verse 19 and says, Oh, unbelieving generation, how long shall I be with you? And how long shall I have to put up with you? Could you imagine that? You're in bed at night. There's this little glow in the corner. It gets brighter. Pow! The devil appears. He's standing before you, and you're like, oh, and God throws him out and looks at you and says, what's wrong with you? He goes, the the devil in my room in the dark. And God goes, do I have to keep putting up with you? And you're like, it's the devil. (laughs) And the Lord's like, you don't get it. You know what? You catch that? There's a story. I don't know if it's true, but it's been told over and over that Martin Luther one time was writing in his journal, and Satan appeared before him. And he looked up and goes, oh, it's you, and kept writing. Now, you know what? That's actually what we get to do. Or you could say, Lord, would you just tell him to get out? And he has to leave. But you know what? Can you imagine? The Lord said, even if you're encountering the devil himself, it's not okay to worry. It's not okay to be afraid. David understood this. In Psalm 27, verse 1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Of whom shall I dread? Now, catch this, verse 2. When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Their war rise up against me. In spite of this, I shall be confident. Now, now, did you catch that? You might say, but Chuck, you don't understand. I have enemies. And you know what God is telling you to do? God's telling you to tell your enemies, you bring them on and bring an army with you. We got you. Then he says, even if it's more than one army and war is declared against you, you get up on Monday morning, turn on CNN, and they go, news bulletin, news flash. The Soviet Union and China have actually allied together and they've declared war on you. Not, not the United States, they name you by name. And you know, there's a news flash, they, all those countries care about is killing you. And you know what you do as a Christian? You go, bring it on. Come on, you, you and your armies, you come, I'll take you. That's what David said. And David meant it. Listen to what he says next, though. 
He says, one thing I have asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek after. What is it? That thy enemies be defeated? That I have victory? He goes, no, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. He said, you know what? These guys can do whatever they want. There's only one thing I care about is do I have God? Am I close to God? Am I being with him? And Jesus said that's how we need to be. So that's why he ends this section by saying in verses 33 and 34, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now God hasn't called us to the easy life, but he's called us to the amazing life. And he's told us this, don't worry, don't get freaked out, don't think you can't handle it. Why? And here why. Because God cares about you. Today, this service was blessed with Christina and her family being here. And uh, I have permission to share this, but uh, three weeks ago, uh, Christina was in a, a pretty tough spot. And, and life was just literally caving in on her, and she cares for her kids and wanted them taken care of, and she didn't know how she was going to make it. Uh, uh, financially, she didn't know how she was going to make sure they were taken care of. And so what happened is, out of nowhere, she was presented an opportunity to do something that would have been illegal, but would have given her an incredible amount of money. She knew better. She had known that from her past, but this was before her, and she cared so much about her kids, she was willing to do almost anything. And so she went to the place where she could say yes to doing this, but everything inside her told her not to. She said she was sitting in her car, looking at the doorway that she could walk through to, to, to delve into this life, when all of a sudden, bam, 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 there was a hit on the window, and she looked up and rolled down her window, and a man stood there and said to her, I think I've got this right. He looked at her, and he said, you're not supposed to be here. God told me to tell you to go back to your children. Isn't that cool? And so, I don't know, I think it was an angel. I think God sent an angel in that moment. And um, so, Christina went back, but then still the question, how am I going to be taken care of? Then on Sunday, she got up, and she was so filled with despair, she thought, you know, maybe it'd be better for my kids if I wasn't here, maybe if I was dead. And then she heard an audible voice say, go to church and get baptized. So, two weeks ago, she came. And she came forward, and she gave her life to Christ, and she shared with one of our decision counselors her story, and that person sent me the story. And when I read it, I was like, oh, man, this is so incredible and so awesome. But I did something to Christina I never, ever do. I just don't do this almost ever. And I was so touched with her story, I put it on my blog. Now, when she heard about that, her first reaction was, oh, no, because this could get her in trouble, right? And, 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 and by the way, that doesn't make it okay, I did it. But here's what happened. Christina said that when she read it, at first she was filled with fear. But then she opened her Bible and started reading that God, God is a God of light, and he wants all things brought into the light and not held in the darkness. And so when she was being baptized last week, she told me, she said, Pastor Chuck, at first I wasn't happy you did that. But I got to tell you, God wants my life in the light, and I'm putting in the light, and that's where it's going to be. I'm not going to be afraid. And so she chose that. So last week, uh, many of you saw her. Many of you saw Christina be baptized, and I don't know if you saw how emotional that was. And then Sunday night, she came back to church, and her kids went forward with her. And then Wednesday, her high school son went forward. And here's another part of the story you need to know. is She was telling me she went to a Bible study on Monday, and they challenged her just to write down her greatest prayer, what she would just love God to answer. So she wrote out what she thought would be the perfect job. And she prayed, God, could I have that? Well, what happened is Nick Dermen, who attends our church family here, he, he wrote me and he said, Chuck, I don't want to offend you, but I never read your blog. Never. And uh, then he said, but something drew me to it. He goes, something made me do it. And I, I read the story 
And a few hours after I had read it, Christina walks in my office. I didn't realize she would be the same person. And as she's telling me her story, I'm going, I just read about you. And so now today she has the job of her dream. And uh, God just let her. And we loved watching your family's baptism today. We love what God's doing in your guys' life. And I appreciate you letting me share your story with the church family. But uh, I want to tell you something. Is Christina, you are that precious to God. Each of your children's that precious to God. By the way, you ready for this? This is going to sound egotistical, but it's true. I'm that precious to God. And so are you. And so are you. And if you don't know that you are, I want to tell you, you, there's a lie floating in your mind. He could not love you more than he does. And he's offering you this life. If you would say, I'm going to say yes to him and open my heart. I want to connect to him deeply. And I'm ready to do his will, whatever it is. Even if my story has to be told, I'm going to do it. Guess what happens? If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, God will take care of everything else. Now, will it always be easy? No, but your problems become potentials for miracles. They become amazing stories to share. As I look back on the struggles in my life, every single one of them, God has done the Romans 8, 28. He's turned it for good. And again, it's not that life's been easy, but it's been incredible with him. And I'm telling you today that if you don't have that, he wants it for you. And if you ask, well, then how do I get it? Well, you do what Christina did. You do what I did. You, you do what people do. You, you got to say yes to God and you got to pray. Jesus said, call, or, or uh, Paul said that we call on the name of the Lord to be saved. If we call out to him, if we pray to him and say, I want you to be my Lord, I want to give my life to you, and I want all the forgiveness and the cleansing, I want to be just literally clean, all the things in my past wiped away, I want to be renewed and be a different person. I want to be set free from fear and healed from hurt. If you share that with him, if you say to him, he's going to say yes, and he's going to adopt you as his child, and he's not just going to be your God, he's going to be your dad. That's what he wants. He wants to be that close to you. So today we're going to go to a time of prayer. And if you want to pray that prayer with me to say yes to God, I'm going to ask you right where you're sitting to whisper the prayer. That's the first step is this right here is to, to, to say that to him, to open up to him. Then I'm going to share with you in a moment what you can do to start your connection with him even deeper. But right now I want to ask, is God first in your life? Do you really know him? If not, he wants you to. And I don't... I want you to know there's nothing you could ever do that God wouldn't love you with everything he has. Today, if you're here and you used to be close to God and you've walked away, maybe you've even started doing things you just deep down knew weren't right and the Holy Spirit was grieved. I want to tell you this, and I mean it. God could not care about you and love you more than he does right this second. But oh, he wants you home. So I'm going to ask you, if you need to come back to God or you need to have a revival in your heart or you need to have that passion renewed, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with us too. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, I know, I know you love every person here, including me. And I love you, love us. And I know as how immense, how powerful you are that you, you humble yourself to literally look us in the eye, to look at our steps, to care about our tears, to enjoy our laughter. And you do that. And I pray right now, Lord, that you would help everybody here to understand more and more how precious they individually are to you. And I thank you, God, that we could put you first in our life. And I thank you for every person in this room that's saying you're first. Anything you ask, I'll do. And God, I know right now they're experiencing amazing things. And there's better things to come, great and mighty things.
But Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit right now would stir and touch anybody here who needs to say yes to you. Who needs to open their heart to you or needs to come back to you. Lord, I pray deep down inside they know this is their moment. For those who are hurting God, this is their moment. For those who are afraid, for those who can't see a way, they feel lost, they feel overwhelmed. God, this is their time. And I pray that they know it and want it. I'm going to ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for those right now who need to make this decision? But I'm going to start right now leading that prayer. And if you're ready to say yes to him or to come back to him, I'm going to ask you to pray it with me. He wants you. He loves you. Are you ready to do this with him? If so, if so, pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins, to heal me of all my hurts and pains, to free me from fear, to make me alive, to make me new, and to make me yours. And I say yes. I want this. And oh, I want you. So I open my heart to you. Please fill me with your love and fill me with your spirit and help me be who you created me to be and to live the life you have for me to live. In this I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God.